In London, technology is the Silicon Roundabout. Introducing a new talk show dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. Silicon Real. Each week, interviewing entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, financial technology, accelerators, and incubators in an exciting three-person format. Learn about the people behind the innovation. Locally filmed, locally sourced. Silicon Real. It's about the people. This is Silicon Real, the weekly talk show dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. I am Brian Rose. I also host London Real. It's uh, a similar show, but it's for famous people. Um, no, I'm just just kidding. Uh, we, we've had uh, people like uh, Tim. Are you saying F- Ian's not famous. Uh, Ian is actually one of our more famous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've had uh, you know people like uh, Tim Ferriss doing the Four Hour Everything. Uh, we've had uh, a celebrity astrophysicists like Neil deGrasse Tyson, and even the British MP George Galloway. So more famous and, people. And the famous actor uh yeah we have uh, ashley walters from yeah. top boy uh um on this sunday so uh, i can't wait yeah. i almost emailed you to send me a copy an early release oh, an early so release really okay but i wouldn't put you in that situation you're part of the inner circle so i, I wouldn't put you there we might be able to get there so uh you can check that show out at, at londonreal.tv but uh we're here today to talk tech uh, my co-host is uh, uh, Mr. Colin Pyle, uh, the coffee man of the hour. Crew Cafe is doing well. It's everywhere. Um, we just drank some. How's business? Business is good. Uh, yeah, things are going really good. Just super busy. Got hay fever right now. Just found out my motorcycle got stolen a few weeks ago, I was mentioning. And yeah. So they're just writing it off. Such a very sad day. So they didn't find it. They're not. No, they find found it, it but oh. the cost to fix it is okay. the same as the cost of bikes. So. And are you going to ditch the ditch the motorcycle? So I have no choice. They're going to cut me a okay, check. Okay. So I may buy another one, but this is, I'm bikeless for the first time in a long, long okay, time. Okay, this is so. a good thing. Your uh, lifespan just increased. There we go. Yeah, so we'll go with that. We'll go with it. Um, awesome. Uh, let's get on with the show. Our guest today is Mr. Ian Fodering, who is the Chief Technology Officer and Technical Director for Cisco in the UK and Ireland. Uh, if you have uh, not been part of the general public and don't know who they are, they are a, um, <laughs> they are a multinational corporation. Uh, they're part of the S&P 500. They design, manufacture and sell networking hardware. I just found out that Cisco is short for San Francisco. That's four years MIT education. I just figured that out. I, I didn't know that. You didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> and the icon is the San Francisco Bridge. I didn't know that either. So go. those lines is kind of, and it's what a great you know, metaphor with the network and the bridging. Indeed. I mean, yep. those Stanford grads were thinking. Um, so uh, definitely, you guys have a lot of thing, uh, things going here on the UK. You have the Cisco Network Academy. Uh, you guys are now running the uh, IoT Challenge where you're giving away a quarter million dollars to, to startups in the IoT space. Yep. Um, you guys support the Idea London, uh, which is right around the corner, uh, who uh, has, uh, was it Jennifer Griffiths that was here from Stanford? fashion yep. so lots of exciting things going the on the best coffee in all of london they're serving they serve too. crew cafe <laughs> as well um <laughs> shameless plug expect more of those from colin but uh, uh ian thanks so much for being here and uh welcome to silicon real hey, you're very welcome thank you for having me you know it's uh it's fantastic to talk about iot and ioe i don't know the difference between them i know you guys reckon that uh potentially 50 billion things will be connected to the internet by year 2020 is yeah. that about right what does that look like? I get a little, I get a little scared. I can't picture what that looks like, I mean, like the Jetsons it, or something. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I mean, I'm talking to a lot of different businesses, organizations, public, private sector at the moment. 
Uh, even my parents are asking about IOE at the moment. Um, but it, it, it just generates so much interest because there's such a world of possibilities. And I think, you know, a number of years ago when you started talking about this topic, it was the connected fridge. Everyone right. straight away right. honed in on the connected That's fridge. The one you know, thing... Take that bottle of milk out and, yeah. you know, it'd reorder itself and stuff like that. But it's, it's expanding. It's expanding rapidly. And, you know, it started with the, you know, the mobile drive of uh, mobile devices, tablets, etc. But what we're now seeing is an acceleration of other things being connected. Um, so whether it's going to be the, you know, the connected asthma inhaler, which I love as an example. Of, we can come back to that later on. Okay. Uh, right the way through to the connected cow. So forget the fridge. Forget the milk. Cow. Think about the cow before the milk even gets made and then going into the fridge. Uh, through to transportation, healthcare, and there's it, just so many possibilities. And there's some real drivers, some real needs to do this. Um, healthcare, mentioned there briefly, is, is I think such a key area. UK, Europe, uh, Western world, we've got an ageing population. We can carry on doing the things that we've done always and build more hospitals and stuff like that. Or we can look to technology as a way of actually helping us over this, uh, this challenge. Um, so there's, there's a world of possibilities out there. So I think it's a really exciting time. And the terms like IoT and IOE, mm. can we define those just so we know exactly yeah, what those Yeah, no, it's, it's an often asked question. Um, so IoT, from my perspective, is a relatively dumb device. It's something that is embedded within a, a device, but it's relatively dumb. Um, but IOE uh, is really a collection of elements. So it's, it's people, process, data, and things coming together. And when you start to bring that together, that's when you get the insight. And again, a lot of people focus in on IoT. For me, actually, it's the data that, that those connections are going to produce that's going to be the interesting stuff. And when you start to look at that data, you know, unstructured and all sorts of forms, um, that's going to prove some really interesting insight. And I don't think we really truthfully know quite what we're going to discover as we start to connect all of these things together uh, and what we're going to find uh, in terms of the way in which we live our lives, how we can be more efficient, all sorts of things. I think it's a fascinating time. It's almost like you look at the apps on your mobile phone right now. Five, six years ago, could you have even conceived those? When the iPhone was introduced, could you even conceive that interactivity? I saw a stamp the other day for someone's tax minicab thing with a phone number next to the tube, and I was like, this is obsolete now. Mm. Would you have ever predicted? And I mean, with the IOE and the IoT, how, how can you even foresee where we're going to be? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 I mentioned it briefly. The example I love to give, because it's, sort of, it's a really simple one for people to understand, um, is, and I, I, I use it myself, uh, an asthma inhaler. A lot of people do. It's, you know, it's, a, it's a fairly dumb device, but it's, it's, it's useful in terms of what it does. And one of the, the, the trials that they did uh, down in Barcelona, which is very much heralded as a sort of the connected city uh, in Europe and sort of pushing itself forward in mm. terms of IOE, um, they did a, a, a trial and uh, they had all this connectivity. Well, they have all of this connectivity, but at the same time they were doing this, um, this trial with this uh, asthma inhaler, which was connected to, to the network um, to track usage, when, where, how, etc., um, and what they noticed during this pilot was there was a, a bit of a spike in its use uh, for a, at a various um, period of time. I couldn't quite work out why this was, and you know, clearly it was something to do with location, but was there anything else that they could work out? And then when they started putting this together with other data sources, they, they noticed that at the same time that they had um, this spike in, in its usage, there was a shipment of soya coming into the marina. And what they were able to do is correlate the, the wind direction uh, speed and all of this stuff, and very quickly actually 
notice exactly where this was going to happen. And so you start to take that example, which, you know, today, using an asthma inhaler, something like that, very reactive. You know, you, you have an attack, you take it, typically. Um, but think about being able to proactively notify someone when they go into a particular area that there is a higher chance that they'll need to use it. Now, it's a really simpler uh, example, I think, but being able to take something like healthcare and be much more proactive in the delivery of it, reduce the cost, be more streamlined in it, I think it's a natural way in which we're going to have to start to turn to technology to help us. Um, it raises interesting questions around privacy, security, which I think is the natural follow-on question when you talk about IoT. Um, but I think all of these can be addressed. Uh, but it's about being transparent. You see, a bunch of these, you see a bunch of these studies they've done on Twitter because Twitter is that open API and it's so much information. Mm. And I know they've tried to, to track like epidemics by Twitter and like there's so much data you can track by language. There's a famous map in London where you can track the languages around Hyde Park and where there's Russian and French and all that stuff. So it kind of shows what po is possible when yep. you have that interactive data flow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and on that point, I mean, one of the things that we're seeing increasingly in terms of the conversations we're having now with uh, organisations is almost regardless of their vertical, their background, what they actually do, uh, almost every single one of them is now looking at how uh, IoT, IOE can play a part in the way in which they deliver what they do uh, fundamentally. And so, you know, our view is very much that every organisation out there is going to become a digital uh, provider in some way and you can look at the likes of Nike for example you know they're uh, a fitness fashion sports label but look at what they're doing with uh, the data that they're collecting from their their service and how they're changing the way in which they address their business model and there's many many different examples I just think it's a really interesting time at the moment yeah, like this morning I was watching Bloomberg and Barclays was on so right. they just released the yep. new sort of wristband Barclays did. Yeah, so really? Barclays card. Oh, Barclay. And so you can, you know, you have a wristband and it's connected and, you know, you can connect it to a credit card or a debit card and start paying for things yep. and uploading it. And yeah, it's, it's wow. pretty interesting, right? So here's this old school institution like the banking where people think it's way far behind in there. You know, mm. even there, they're, they're on it too. So it's, it's, yep. it's amazing. What's, what's connected now? I mean, we know that like, uh, engines and 747s are connected. Yeah. Um, but I don't know like kind of where the state is now. And then you talk about in the future, cows being connected. <laughs> yeah. So I like, what, where are we roughly now? And, and where do you kind of expect us to be? Going so forward? I, I think the, 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 uh, well, the cow example is, is happening now. Uh, there's a company out there in, uh, in Holland. I think it is, uh, sparkle or sparkle. Yeah. Sparkling it is. Um, they're, they're actually doing this. They're, they're collecting data from cows. But the, the reason that they're doing it, and there is a good reason, it's not just because they can. Um, you learn more about these things than I ever thought I ever would. But um, cows, naturally, uh, don't have any outward sign of being unwell. They, you know, they're, 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 they've developed over time evolution to sort of hide all illnesses so they can't get picked off by predators. Um, so from a farming perspective, it's really difficult to know whether your livestock is unwell until it's too late and potentially too costly. And so being able to track it actually allows you to notify blood thinning or if it's um, temperatures raising or whatever it is. Um, so you can actually start to treat it again uh, earlier. So we've got things like that already out there. The engine example that you talked about, I mean, there's a huge amount of data now being produced by the likes of a Rolls-Royce engine. Right. Um, but, but we're also increasingly beginning to see uh, examples of... Um, We've had a conversation recently, actually, with a health trust about how they could start to better uh, connect to uh, an ambulance 
Uh, and now, there's a very good reason, again, why you'd want to do that, because if you have a, a head trauma, and unfortunately, you know, being a, a motorcyclist, sure. you'll know this, you know, if, if there's a golden hour that if, if you have yeah. a head trauma, then you've got to get, you know, some early stage information back to start treating that individual. But the time to bring someone back into hospital, all of this sort of stuff, it can delay the, uh, the treatment and therefore the recovery. So being able to connect to um, a paramedic while out in the field and provide some real-time data back to the hospital and treat, uh, start the treatment of that person, free up some of the necessary uh, equipment so when that person comes in, you know, all of these things are, are beginning to play out. And that's happening today. We're, we're having those conversations. Being able to stream high-definition video from that paramedic back to uh, the, uh, the, the hospital. All of these things are, are happening today, and it's, uh, like I say, it's, it's an interesting area. What's the slowdown, do you think, of it just not going everywhere? Because, you know, yeah, the technology yeah. is kind of there, right? It's kind it of is. It's the adoption from, you know, a lot of the companies and, and you know, governments and stuff like that. Because yep. I, th- I love this stuff. If you could put a chip in me, I'd be... You would. <laughs> I would, for sure. Yeah. And it's just, I just, sometimes I wonder... What, like, let's just get on with it. Well, I, I think if you look back over time, I think one of the biggest barriers for, for almost any technology is, is traditionally down to culture. It's mindset change. Um, it's being willing to embrace things. And certainly I see that a lot in uh, a lot of organisations I deal with, uh, the, the, the want, the need to, to, to change. Um, I think the same applies here. I think there is uh, still a degree of concern, uh, hesitancy around you know, what exactly is it that I'm sharing uh, if I'm connected yeah. As, to your example, uh, who has access to that. And I, I think, you know, the, the scenario that we have today where if you sign up to an application or you, you sign up to a service, uh, there's a set of T's and C's that, in theory, everyone reads but just ticks and accepts, you know, that, that user interface is going to change. You're not necessarily going to have that uh, that. that uh, ability up front, because if we we live in that connected world, we're going to be work, moving seamlessly between one service to, to another, and so I think that that element needs to change. But I think it, to me, it's it's around the security question, yeah. um, and also it's around the, the the governance of that data and the data and um, you know, the sovereignty of who actually owns it. Um, uh, arguably, at the moment, the the, the pendulum is argu- uh, is very much weighed. To, uh, weighted towards the, the big organisations that are providing these services. And, you know, you, I, we get some benefit from that data that's being produced, um, but it's not huge. And I think, you know, we're beginning to see, we will, and we will see it more so over time, the pendulum swing back to you and I as individuals, um, how that data is ultimately used and what, what we want for that. And sometimes, in some cases, it will be financial payback, in other cases, it may, may be more altruistic. We want to do something a bit more with it. Um, but I think we will see that, that pendulum swing back, and I think people will feel a bit more comfortable about uh, what they do and how they do it. There was a study recently that said people are more concerned about corporations having their data than, say, the governments, which right. I found surprised because that's not primary on my mind. But it said that they were, and this is a big issue going mm. forward, is who owns the info and who has the info, especially healthcare info and... Yeah, uh, in yeah. your body. What, what what can we do about it, or what what are you thinking about when you're when you're? Yeah, I mean, I think you know clearly there needs to be a very um, strong governance process in place, and uh, it needs to be very clearly uh, explained, available to people how that data is being collected and what is happening to that data. Um, I think the the other the, the, the challenge is as well the more and more 
uh, we start to uh, produce data. The the you know we just have to look around today. The the ability, the uh, availability of uh, compute power and, and stuff like that means that it's so easy now to actually cross-correlate data. So even though data may be produced separately, the ability to actually cross-correlate and actually then work out, even if it's anonymized, you can start to filter down. That, that, that will, uh, I think, continue to, to rise in terms of a challenge. But again, it is about being transparent for me. It's about ensuring that people understand what is happening to the data, how it's being used, and allowing people the option. You know, if people want to uh, uh, disassociate or, or, or remove themselves from that, then they should have the ability to do so. But equally, uh, you know, I think if you look around uh, today, there's a lot of elements that um, uh, produce data that people just don't even consider. I mean, usually credit card, your mobile phone. You know, all of this stuff is producing data on a continual basis. Uh, and I think sometimes people get a little bit too fixated on, on some elements, whereas actually what they're uh, challenged with has been around for a long time, but it's just been done in a slightly different way. Yeah, like loyalty cards. Well, exactly. Right? It's exactly. been around for, for centuries and, or decades, and it's just like yeah. that, that's essentially data play, and, and people don't even think twice. But again, it's, it's back to value. What, right. what value do you get by giving up that data? Um, it's, 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 yeah, you get a few points and, and some coupons, but but but, but that uh, but yeah. the value to the organisation collecting huge. it is huge. huge. It, I mean, it's really valuable yeah. stuff, and, and that's where I think that pendulum will swing back, and you and I producing that data, who actually own that data, yeah, uh, will get greater uh, return on it. I remember there's a there's a case with Walmart where they were collecting data, and then they were actually sending out coupons based upon your buying habits, and you know there was like a 16 year old girl in the US who was they could tell she was pregnant because of what she was oh, buying. Yes, yeah. And then so they sent coupons to her for like, you know, you know, baby, baby clothes and stuff like that. That's and wild. Like and what and food she was buying. Or yeah. Oh, but, okay. but just through the data, but, but again, that's a huge privacy issue because they sent the coupons to her family and her yeah. family's like, why are you receiving these coupons? And then that's kind of what you're yeah. alluding to. Like yeah. exactly, the right. correlation. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, even if it's anonymous, it's still, it's still yeah. not right. Yeah. I think we're all a little precious about our data. I think a lot of people with their Facebook feeds and their, I don't own this photo. And I mean, we're looking for trends here. I don't know. That's my general feeling. And you give so much info on your mobile phone. Like you said, your bank statements, like the the banks have a lot of information about you. You know, (laughs) they're probably not using it uh, to the best of their abilities yet. I mean, if Google, if Google was a bank, you know, they probably would be running those numbers better, but I guess that's probably changing. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a part to play as well um, in terms of the way in which uh, sometimes we see the media portray these these situations as well. Um, Because I think sometimes it can get sort of blown out of proportion in terms of what is happening and how it's happening. Uh, I think there's huge value to the individuals in, in this connected world that we're talking about going forward. But the ability for people to step out of it, that needs to exist and that's it. It's, it's fairly clear to me. Right, be able to opt out. Like you can go on your right. phone and, and Absol- opt out. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. What uh, What are you seeing on the horizon with, say, the IoT challenge, or in general, where you see some exciting things coming up with startups? And why you do, Why do you look outside of Cisco? I'm sure you have really smart people inside your company. Is it the innovator's dilemma that makes you go out and look at these startups for the next yeah. thing? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting because we we sort of went down this route in the UK probably about three four years ago now. It's a uh, it started actually as a, a bit of a legacy project that we wanted to drive as a result of our London 2012 involvement. Right. Um, we felt we wanted to do something a little bit different. 
because a lot of the, the sponsors and the supporters of uh, London 2012 were doing something sort of that year uh, and then sort of moving on to the next big thing. But we were really keen to have something that lasted a bit longer, and so we, we started this uh, innovation program in the UK uh, that would last for five years. Now, we're, we're halfway through that, and, but the reason that we did it was really about just getting new ideas. You know, we don't have exclusive right on good ideas. No organisation does. Um, and what we've found is we've, we've met some fantastic people. I mean, some brilliant people. You talked about uh, Jenny earlier on. Yeah. I mean, an amazing mind and uh, capability. And, and what it's allowed us to do is, is just make sure that we've got our finger on the pulse in terms of technology, what's happening out there. Um, because best will in the world, you know, we're a big organisation, uh, some 70,000 people around the world. And that can be difficult for a big organisation, any big organisation, to necessarily move quickly and understand what's happening uh, as best as it tries. Uh, but being tapped into that, that, that market, that, that innovation scene, allows us to get a really good feel for what's happening. I think the, the thing for us as well was when we sort of went into this space was to make sure that we, as the big organisation, didn't come in and be seen as sort of farming those good ideas on the cheap and taking them away and uh, using them for ourselves and that was it. You know. That's always the suspicion when there's it, it, an incubator yeah. sponsored by you know, at Microsoft or whatever, whatever. Yeah. everyone's a little worried about that. Always. Yeah, and, and that, that, to be fair, it was a bit of a challenge for us when we first wanted to go down this route because... Um, from a legal perspective, it was, well, you know, how do we ensure that we're, you know, we, we are going to leave those ideas there, we're not going to take them away? And I said, well, we've got to do this. We've got to make sure that when we get involved in, in this uh, area, we're working with these organisations, that there isn't a fear that we're going to take those ideas uh, or we're going to demand an upfront cut or any future profits or anything like that. And so we, we did. We cracked that internally and we got that resolved. Uh, and that's allowed us to, to, to work with a lot of these organisations, which has then led us on to some really good conversations with a lot of our client base. Because, as I said, you know, almost every organisation out there is looking to drive innovation. They're all looking at it slightly differently. But if we can use Ideal London, around the corner, as you say, uh, and uh, connect some of those organisations, some of those startups, with some of the big organizations that we're working with on a daily basis and just be seen as a thought leader and, and connect the two it, it has a huge amount of value with, with for us for the, the big client uh, and also for the startup as well in terms of getting access to some big big brands and names um, and we've had some you know good meetings down at ideal uh, in terms of some of the organizations uh, coming through public, private sector. In fact, we've even, we even had um, the South Korean government come over uh, to look at the model that we've developed there so that they can look to leverage something similar uh, in Korea, um, uh, or South Korea. Um, so it's been, it's been really, really interesting for us. Um, we've got that, that location there, and then we've got another one uh, over in Greenwich, uh, which you create, which is early, working on, I guess, more uh, early-stage research work and we tap into uh, the likes of TSB, Technology Strategy Board, leveraging some of the project funds that they've got, working with some organisations, and just generating uh, and working through some of the ideas, focused principally around IoT. Yeah, TSB has funded a few companies that have been in here before. Yeah. Uh, Pixel Pin, I think, maybe yep. even Digital Shadows, yeah. I think. Yeah, yes. maybe. Yeah. yeah, they write some nice checks for those people. Um, it's tricky as a company with you because you're, you're a mature hardware company, but you have to innovate more than anyone to stay on top of the game, and your yeah. customers look to you to innovate too. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a very tricky space that you're in. 
Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting that you mention hardware because I would absolutely agree that you know, the, the starting point for Cisco 30 years ago now when we were a startup company uh, was as a hardware. But I think very, very quickly it became software. Uh, and I'd, I'll try and avoid any of the marketing here, but, but the reality is you know, the, the, the thing that made Cisco, the Cisco router, router, uh, was the Cisco iOS that right. sat on that device. It kept getting updated. And yeah. Exactly. Right. And, and if you look at where we're going now in terms of an organization, um, if you look at the application-centric infrastructure, uh, data center propositions, which is all about software and its capability, it's actually detracted or separated itself from the hardware. Um, so I would argue now that we're much more uh, a 50-50 split between software and hardware than, than predominantly hardware. But you're, you're right, that's where a lot of people still associate ourselves uh, in that. But that's where the innovation plays in. Um, so we have to con- constantly innovate. And using, working with the, uh, the startups in and around London, and we, we also developed a, um, a program called the National Virtual Incubator, uh, NVI, uh, so we've got about 12 of these locations around uh, the UK, um, and they tap into uh, some of the uh, universities, um, some of the business uh, startup locations, accelerator locations around the UK, connecting them together through video, holding events, getting third parties to come in and talk about the, you know, the VC space, how that operates, um, getting... Um, getting some big organizations to come in and, and talk about some of the challenges they have and how they'd like to work with startups um, to, to address some of these. It's, it's about connecting uh, people with, with the ideas, ultimately. And IoT eyes, uh, ideas that are coming down the pike, or can you talk about them you know, when you see interesting things that companies are doing? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a number of different areas. Um, and I think, again, the, the definition of IoT is, is, we'll go back to that one, because I think people sort of, narrow it down too quickly um, I mean we, we see anything and everything being connected um, and so that can be that can sort of play itself out in a number of different ways um, I mean some of the organisations that we're seeing uh, around location services how they utilise um, the connectivity um, the, uh, mobile phone, smartphone capabilities um, number of different areas um, so uh, we, we're seeing um, I guess some uh, exciting ideas. Um, we are, are working with a number of them in the UK, which is really good, because uh, again, as a, I guess as a, a US company, certainly headquartered company, it's, it's very easy to assume everything's happening in Silicon Valley. Mm. Um, the good thing that we're seeing now is uh, a significant investment going on around the globe. And uh, from a, a Cisco point of view, we, we announced uh, about a, a month ago now. Uh, an additional 100 million to an existing 150 million uh, dollar investment arm that we have, uh, looking at organisations around the globe that we're looking to invest in, um, separate to the sport work that we do with the startups, um, and we've made some uh, investments here in the UK recently in that space. So for companies or for organisations? Of, of companies, companies, of, of well, companies. Okay. we've made some minor investments uh, in, in organisations here in the UK. And that's the way that we've always worked, to be fair. We've always done that. Uh, we've worked with some of those organisations and made minor, minor investments in them uh, you know, in a very uh, supportive way. Uh, and that, again, just gives us access to some really interesting ideas and critically people. 
San Jose, you were there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you said for yeah, a big meeting. Week, yeah. It is an American company. Uh, you're here in the UK. Yeah. We're always talking about this on the show. Maybe too much. Do we talk about the Yanks too much? What's your view? I mean, you're you're, you're obviously not American, but you work for an American company. Yeah. You go back there a lot. Is it when you go back to San Jose? Is it do you have to get people's attention? Like this is what we're doing in London, or do innovative ideas come out of here? Um, I I think. So I think to start with, that was probably the case. I think it was a bit of a struggle uh, to get the UK recognised as something uh, that was exciting. Um, but I would say that within the last 24 months that that has changed from a, a Cisco perspective. Um, we now see you know, a lot of interest in a lot of the work that's going on here. Uh, we also do a similar sort of programme in Berlin. Uh, where okay. we're doing um, some uh, work there in a similar fashion, similar model. Uh, but but it works, I would say it's worked so successfully here and in, in Berlin that we're now seeing a setup of about another six sites in a similar fashion uh, pop up around the, the globe, outside the US. Um, so it's, it's, it, we're definitely getting momentum. And I think, again, it's recognition that you know, the, the good ideas don't just exist in that sort of small strip of Silicon Valley. Um, there's people out there with some great um, opportunities uh, and we want to sort of be working with them. What, what do you think that tipping point was 24 months ago? Well, yeah. I, I, for, for us you know, yeah. here, um, I, I think it was very much uh, around London 2012 because we created a program specifically to do that. Sure. Um, and because we, we, were, we were sort of doing the sponsorship, because we had a, a lot of focus, I mean, it, it's a global event, and so therefore we had global recognition, not just of Cisco, but also of our, our client base coming here, and it gave us a platform to, to demonstrate the, the, the breadth of talent that we had. And so, uh, in fact, one of the final events that we had um, at our hosting facility down at, uh, near the Olympic Park uh, was the, the big awards, uh, British Innovation Gateway Awards. Um, and so Jenny, who you talked about earlier on from Snap Fashion, uh, she was uh, one of the three winners uh, that we had. Yeah, of course, we talk about that on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so we, we were able to recognize her and uh, Digital Shadows, who you also rec- uh, mentioned there. Uh, we were able to recognize them uh, in the Cisco house and you know, all the attention that that therefore had. And I think suddenly, well, I won't say suddenly, maybe I'm doing a disservice to, to my American uh, uh, colleagues, um, but we, we got the attention uh, of people outside the UK because I think we've always recognized that there's talent here. Um, you just have to look around you know, where we are today to see that. But I think we're also seeing a momentum uh, with uh, the, the likes of Tech City and you know, a lot of the government focus on, on London. Um, so I think there's been a, a bit of a perfect storm. A number of elements have come together to, to help that. But certainly from a Cisco point of view, I, I would, you know, if you want to look for that Genesis point, and then you're probably looking back to uh, the involvement in London 2012. And, and uh, like you said, the government's behind it. You were at Buckingham Palace this week, so Thank it's you. nice to get the royalty <laughs> behind it, right? I'm yeah. name-dropping for you. Thank you. Uh, but, I mean, there really is a big push these days, you know, from everyone in the government, and it's, it, it, yeah. it, it helps tremendously, doesn't well, it? Well, I, I, absolutely, and I think, you know, the, whatever your political allegiance is, um, th- th- there's been, you know, it's been a challenge over the last couple of years in terms of recession and uh, elements around that. And so one, one of the ways in which, you know, UK PLC... And this applies to, to every uh, country, to, to be honest. But certainly the UK PLC can start to drive growth and, and is doing something different. Uh, and, and that will come from the startups that we have you know, here in London and, and around the country. And I think 
the, if there is a, a, a challenge that we have in the UK is making sure that it isn't just London that gets the attention because mm. you know, it, it's very easy to do that. It's, you know, it's a big city on a global stage, uh, but ideas exist around the UK and certainly if we look at some of the, the programmes that we do uh, around the UK, we come across some great people uh, out there and um, it's about making sure that they get visibility as well. And don't have to move here to to do so. Right, this is the most one of the most expensive cities in, in the planet on the planet, <laughs> yeah. As, yeah. We, as we can probably all attest yeah, to. Yeah, it, it seems if you were putting money on innovation, you mm. would put it anywhere around the world where it's going to happen, and you wouldn't want to put all your eggs in the, in the valley. You just want to put it into new ecosystems with ideas, and then just see what springs up. Whether that's Berlin or London or Birmingham, yeah. or yeah. maybe it doesn't even have to be an urban environment these days. No, I, I, it can be, you know, we're living in a connected world. It's a, it's a virtual world. Um, so I think the, the ability to, to find that talent, to, to work with that talent anywhere, it exists so easily today. You know, we've had a few CTOs in here, like two. Um, but you're, <laughs> you're, you're, no, you're the chief technology officer of a technology company. Yeah. And I was just wondering, how does that work? Because a lot of times the CTOs we have in here, they're the king of the mm-hmm. castle. Like they Tri- Tribe Sports is, uh, you know, Tri- Tri- Tribe Sports and Songkick. And Songkick, yeah. Those so are the two CTOs, yeah. 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 But you know, you're doing that in a, tech, in a company that's heavy technology. Yeah. So yeah. how does that work? And is that, is that different? Is that tricky? It's like being the CFO of Barclays. Like, I don't know how right. that, you know, Yeah. Is that no, a good analogy? Is a good analogy? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's a really good question. I quite, quite often ask myself that. Um, it's really hard. Okay. But, but it's really exciting. To be on top of your game always. Uh, well, I'm not always, as my colleagues will uh, no doubt testify. But uh, it, it's really hard. But it's great fun. It, and it's great fun not knowing as well. I know that may sound perverse, but the day that I sit back and think, yeah, I know everything, uh, to be honest, that, that's the day that I'll probably um, stop. Um, but that's never going to happen. And the, 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 the ability, the, the capability to go out there and find something new every day, I mean, genuinely find something new uh, and have to learn and uh, be out of your comfort zone, for me, is, is what makes it so exciting. Um, and I'm able to do that uh, in a company where, to be honest, I'm given a fair degree of uh, license to go out there and uh, sort of find and speak to people and stuff. And so you mentioned you know, the Buckingham Palace. Thank you for doing that. But you know, I'm going jealous. out there, uh, <laughs> having, having those conversations and then uh, going, I mean, again, we're, we're, we're doing a sponsoring um, uh, Bloodhound, which is the world's uh, land speed record mm-hmm. um, uh, with Richard Noble. Uh, so I had a conversation with him today uh, about how we're doing on, in that sponsorship. Uh, and you, know, you sometimes just have to think about you know, the, the breadth and depth of uh, the conversations you have, the, the sort of things you get involved in. It's, it's very, very different to certainly what I thought I'd be doing when I first sort of came into technology. You know, I like technology. I like playing with technology. But it, it's, it's such a broad area. And I think that's the thing that makes it so appealing. You could end up doing pretty much anything within this space at the moment. What's uh, Berlin like when you, when you think about what you guys are doing in Berlin versus London? Is there a characteristic that's happening over there as opposed to here? Is it more fintech-y in London or is it... I'm always curious. We haven't been to Berlin. Yeah, well, no, to be been. fair, I, I haven't been over there to see uh, all the work. But clearly we're, what we're doing here is better than Berlin. Let's just make that point. <laughs> well said. Uh, yeah, let's be clear on that point. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, again, th- th- there's a lot of, uh, from, from a Cisco point of view, they're probably about six, nine months behind us in terms of uh, the uh, maturity of the programs that they've got running. 
But again, they've got some uh, financial uh, capability to to work with those organisations and genuinely support them, genuinely support them in terms of introductions. Um, and in some cases, it will be um, bringing them into to Cisco um, and uh, making them part of the broader organisation. But fundamentally, it's about just keeping the finger on the pulse of what's happening. Do you see, uh, or what do you see as our biggest potential roadblock in London when it comes to, say, five years out? I mean, do you see it being, you know, an, an immigration issue? Do you think, uh, yeah. you know, we don't have these, uh, these public markets? Or, what, what do you see as the one thing where we could mess things up? Well, yeah, so it's a, another topic I'm really, really passionate about, uh, which fits in very well here, is skills. You know, I, I genuinely have a concern that we don't have the appropriate skills here. Um, and you, you, know, if you, you see it firsthand, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it, skills being engineers, like uh, educational skills. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, okay. uh, yeah, absolutely. So technical, technical, technical skills. skills. Um, if you look at the, uh, the, the 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 marketplace at the moment, and a, a very crude example, but if if we're hiring people uh, as we are at the moment, actually, but if, if we're hiring people, you know, we typically find, certainly I see, that we're having to work harder to find the right people. Now, we're still finding the right people, be clear on that, but we're having to work harder to find those people. Um, and I, we're not unique. You know, if I speak to uh, other organisations, competitors, you know, it, it's the same challenge. And I, I, I don't know... And is it a supply issue? It is. Right. It is. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what it is. Um, and I think... If we look at where the market's going, we, we touched on big data. I think one of the big challenges will be around analytics. And, you know, it's all very well producing data, but unless you actually turn that into something useful, it's no use at all. Um, and, and the skills, the capabilities to do that, I'm just not sure are there in, in the depth that we need at the moment to, to really take advantage of where we're going. Um, I mean, and that's a lot of statistics and maths to really yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah to, to a certain extent that that's been taken I think over the last couple of years if not decades uh, to the financial services mm. sector you know people with th- that capability and uh, intelligence um, have, have gone into that market uh, and therefore there's been a bit of a, a gap uh, a drain in terms of the technology space I don't know whether, in light of some of the recent um, you know, stories and uh, general environment around the financial services sector, whether we'll see people being put off going into that area and, and maybe revisiting tech as a, as a result. I don't know. But uh, I, I think the, the big concern for me would be around uh, the, the skills that we have coming through. And I, I do have to point out at this point, because I'm a governor of, of uh, the UTC, uh, there's a, a UTC that's just opened up around the corner from here, which is a university technical college, which... You know, it sets out to try and address that skills gap at a very early age. So it's, it's working with industry such as ourselves, Cisco and BT and others to set the curriculum for the, the schools, drive the curriculum um, and help educate the teachers in terms of where technology is going to inspire the students that actually technology is a really exciting place to go. And so Hackney, just around the corner, which opened up about two years ago, is looking to do exactly that so in the next couple of years you know to take advantage of all the the businesses that are springing up in and around the area hopefully we'll have a a, a pool of talent coming through that will be able to go straight into those jobs um but you know it's just a, a tiny drop in, in in an otherwise very big ocean that we need to, uh, to 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 address what about talent from india or china or from the states is that something that we can't live without here uh, going forward 
Well, I, I think, you know, clearly there, there's an opportunity to bring talent over from there. But, but even there, I, I think we're, we're sort of, we're, we're struggling with a number of different issues. You mentioned about immigration and um, there's some very strong views on that. Uh, again, whether the skills are the right type of skills, uh, language barriers, uh, cultural barriers. You know, there's a number of different elements um, that, that, that come into play. But you know, I think the, the ability to, to utilise a lot of the talent the raw talent that we have here in, in the UK is really important to do. Um, we, uh, again, we're going somewhat off topic, but we, we, we started a, an apprentice program, oh, cracky, about three years ago now, and that was a bit of a departure for us. We'd always have a really strong graduate program bringing people in. And we, we, we brought some apprentices in, and you know, the, the, where that talent is coming from is, is from a, a completely different area that we would have looked before. One of our you know, top-performing um, apprentices trained as a hairdresser. I mean, if you'd got her CV initially, we wouldn't have brought her in for a, an interview. Um, but if you now look at how she's developing and the skills that she's got, you know, it's fantastic. So it's about raw talent. Right. No, no, that makes sense. How much of your time do you spend looking at the 15 to 25-year-olds in that young generation? I know you gave a, a talk in Jersey where you were talking about what's important to a 15 to 25-year-old versus, say, 20 mm. years ago. And he was talking about, like, when he was my age, a car was crucial. A yeah, car, yeah, a car yeah, was your yeah. world. It was your independence. It was your social scene. Absolutely. And, and these days, it's more like being connected. Yeah. And uh, I was just wondering how much you really look at that young demographic that will then in 10 years be a little bit older. Yeah, well, it, it, you know, purely from a professional capacity, of course. But uh, yeah, I look at look at that area from a, a, you know, a real keen interest in the sense that you know, first of all, from a talent point of view, in terms of future skills coming into to my business, in terms of prospective customers going forward, right. but also um, from the point of view in terms of some of the ideas that they've got, some of the, the, the way in which they work, and to your point, the way in which they use technology and how important they they they. Um, uh, relate to technology you know th this is a really good way of looking into the, the future of, of how we're going to work um, the I, I heard someone mention the other day about um, again sort of going back to the sharing of data and stuff um, someone saying well, aren't you a bit scared of putting your pictures of your Saturday night out onto Facebook or whatever uh, and the answer was, well, no, not really, because the person that's going to be interviewing me in 10 years' time will have done exactly the same. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, it's a change of mindset. It's mm -hmm. a change of culture that we've, we've got to accept. Right. There's no more perfect life. Do you know what I mean? Every, well, that, that, that is the new perfect life. Sure. I think that's, yeah, that's yeah. the way to look yeah. at it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, is that everyone has the information out there. Yeah. So I'd hate to be a politician in, like, 20 years. <laughs> it's, like... <laughs> it's, it's interesting, but then also you can just own it. I mean, Barack sure. Obama wrote a book before he ran for president yeah. that openly talked about his cocaine use, and it was yeah. fine. Yeah. Of course, someone else told me on the show, they said, yeah, but was there an iPhone video of him doing it? Sure. Okay, maybe not, but there, are, yeah. there is ways of kind of owning it. And no one, I mean, you would never think that a president would be able to do that, but he did, so yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. It's interesting where we're going. Um, yeah. Ian, uh, we always ask a few personal questions. Yeah, sure. At the end, I'm going to hit you with them. Go if you could make a phone call to the 20-year-old uh, Ian and give that young man a bit of advice, I'm very curious, what would you tell him to do? Uh, <laughs> yeah, really good question. Probably uh, study a bit harder. Uh, were you a tech guy? Is, is, I, yeah. Well, I, I went to university, uh, but I went the long way about it. Um, I, I had to do an extra year at uh, school, and to be honest, I wish I hadn't because um, I could have been probably a year, two years ahead of myself sort of thing. But anyway, um, so probably study a bit more, uh, I think, would be one thing. Um, probably make an investment into Cisco 20 years ago would have been a nice thing to have done. Um, <laughs> but um, 
I, I don't know. That's a, that's a really good question. Really good question. Um, would you have jumped in on, on, on uh, online quicker? Would you have gone the internet well, way or the, the coding way quicker? By yeah, no, so I'm just, uh, I mean, I, 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 I had an opportunity, actually, that's the, so joking aside about Cisco, I had an opportunity to join Cisco probably about two years earlier than I actually joined. Uh, and at the time, it was a relatively small company. Uh, and I, I, if I was making that phone call now, I would say, when you get that call, when you get that opportunity, just go for it. Don't worry. Um, because I was at, at Nortel at the time. Right, so yeah, a big, yeah. you know, established company. Um, great time. Really enjoyed it. And that was probably the, 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 the thing that kept me there. I was enjoying it so much. Um, so when this small company came along and I had the opportunity to, to uh, join, it was, well, I don't really know them. I've you know, played around with a bit of the kit, but you know, I'm working at Nortel. It's a big company. Um, so that's probably the, 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 the bit of advice I'd, I'd whisper into my ear. Did Nortel go bankrupt? They did, yeah. They did. I Long remember my that. pension. I remember quoting <laughs> that. They're still selling those patents. One yeah. of my Are really they? good friends <clears throat> in, in Toronto is a lawyer, and he's been working that case for yeah. five, ten years, selling their patents. <laughs> yep. I was broke in the credit derivatives when they were going bust, yeah. so it was a yeah. fun market. Yeah. Um, made, made a little bit of money off Nortel. Um, the second part of that question is uh, sure. best, best advice you've ever received. Actually, while you're at Cisco, what's the best advice you've received? So, uh, well, that, that for me is, is just consistently push yourself outside your boundaries. I mean, it's, again, it's a really obvious thing, but I think it's sometimes easy just to, again, accept what you know and, and try and become the kingpin, you know, the, the big uh, person around that particular topic. And for me, um, I was always told just constantly push yourself and walk into the unknown. And, and for me, that's what I do on a regular basis. Sometimes I fail, you know, let's be clear. It happens to everyone. But for me, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy sort of putting myself out there and... Um, not, not quite knowing what I'm going to expect or, or do next. Uh, and it's been fun. Is that a culture at Cisco because they were a startup, they came out of Stanford, more so than it would be a culture at a big old-school telecom? Maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I certainly see it around in some of my colleagues, uh, absolutely. And, and, and in fact, one of the reasons that we actually we got involved in uh, working with some of the startups, another reason, was to try and drive that, that mindset into... Uh, into us as a, an organization because to your point as a big organization it's quite easy just to sort of plod along and do what you do um, but working with some of the organizations that we do uh, it's, it's such a creative uh, environment and being able to instill some of that mindset and that that thinking into our staff is, is you know a huge bonus for us and so we actually mentor arguably it's a reverse mentorship we have people pair up between some of the startups that we work with and some of the, the established people that we have within the business. And it's about sharing best practice and mind share and you know, all, all of that sort of stuff. And it really rubs off on them. It really rubs off on them in terms of some of the ideas that they can come back with and the different ways in which they approach uh, challenges. So it's, it's, you know, it's a good, good way of working, we find anyway. That's such an important part culturally for a big company, I think, because a lot of big companies, you don't get that. People don't step outside of the box and do something new and take a risk because they're terrified of failure. And if they just don't screw up, mm -hmm. then they got a pretty nice job, security, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But for you to say, you know, it's a nice C-suite role and all this sort of stuff, that you like to screw up and, and be uncomfortable and try new things to grow and innovate... Yeah. Is, is, is something I haven't heard from a big company before. Yeah, so. well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's something that, uh, and again, yeah, it, this is something that's come from, recently it's come from the top. You know, we, we were here, John Chambers, our, 
uh, chairman, CEO, uh, talk about, you know, we haven't taken enough risk in the past. You know, we need to take more risk. Uh, and that's, that's really refreshing to hear. Yeah. Um, because if you're going to grow, if you're going to be successful, you need, need to take risk. I'd say it's 99% almost impossible not to get into that non-innovator's dilemma. I mean, all of yeah. your structure is, all of your vested equity, all yeah. of your promotions are based on being ultimately somewhat conservative. So yeah. it seems like you really have to stick to your guns, you yeah. know, and get your chairman to say things like that yeah. to make sure you're, you're taking those risks. Um, you know, you mentor lots of people uh, and you have, you know, this IoT challenge coming up. You've got Idea London. What advice would you give to the 20 year old out there uh, from anywhere in the world that, that, you know, ultimately would want, you know, to get the advice or become part of, you know, the Cisco family? What would you tell them to do first? Um, well, yeah, good question. Um, so we get a lot of ideas uh, thrown at us. Uh, a lot of organizations come to us, um, but they're not always fully thought through. I mean, it might be a good bit of tech, but you know, what exactly is it trying to address? What's the outcome that it's, it's trying to drive or, or, or fix? Um, and it, it's, it's getting that, that, that whole view that we, I think, quite often don't see when we, we talk to some organisations that, that come to us. Uh, the idea isn't fully thought through. Um, I, I met an organisation uh, only this week, actually, um, who... Uh, that I won't go into the detail of what they were doing for, for their benefit, but they, they, they were producing a technology um, and they were very much looking at it from a, uh, you know, selling uh, an end device to a user. Uh, and I was saying, well, it's, it's interesting, um, but what's your annuity model? Where, where does that play in? And it was, well, what's the, what's the annuity model? Um, and it was, well, okay, well, you know, it's, it's essentially cloud. It's, you know, it, that's, that's, that's the way that the market is going. And it was just, it was a real surprise to... to, to to even hear that someone hadn't even thought about that and just almost thinking about it in terms of selling units and that was it, move on to the next one and sell again and sell again. And the market in which they're operating, in, you know, that, that, that's long since gone. Mm. It, it, it's very much cloud-based as a service type offering. So it's, it's a real surprise. Um, so it, it, there's examples there. Um, but I, I think for us, um, it, it is about... You know, we, we go along to a lot of events, you know, the, the silicon drink about and stuff like that goes yeah. on around here. And it's, it's great to, to meet people, but we meet a lot of people. Um, and if you're going to pitch your idea in that type of environment, and that's great to do it, believe me, it's great to do it, but make sure it's clear, right. concise, and to the point. Um, in the amount of times you sort of, you lose interest after, a, you know, 40 minutes, of still trying to work out what it is the person's trying to actually tell you. It's, it's hard work. Good advice. Yeah. We've, we've heard that before. Make, like, make something people want. or So make something that there's sure. a market yeah. for. Don't just have it because it's this cool idea you thought yeah. or make a piece of hardware that's going to be obsolete. Well, you know, to be honest, I feel a bit uncomfortable saying it because yeah. it's, it's so obvious. But, but the amount of times people just don't do that or they think they've done it and yet still go on for half an hour uh, about their idea. And you know, you've got to be able to get your idea across really quickly. And that doesn't change whether you're... Uh, uh, a, a one-person startup company through to a multinational global organisation going to talk to another multinational global organisation. We might have a big, you know, a name, a brand that we can leverage, but we still don't get half an hour, 40 minutes to, to talk through an interesting idea with someone. We've got to get it across, de uh, deliver it uh, quickly and to the point. 
Yeah, get your pitch down. I yeah. had a guy on London Real this week has a book called Pitch Anything, mm. and he's all about get that one-minute pitch, don't wing it, and make sure it really wows people. Yeah. And get yeah. past, he calls it the crocodile brain, so get past people being like, yeah, yeah, I've heard it, and right. show them something that's new and, and sexy and innovative and be like, okay, wow, now you're not wasting my time. Yeah. Um, and and uh, <laughs> on that point, never, uh, for me, I, I have a little bugbear, never use... Um, uh, another established organization say it's like okay. so and so well right. if it's like then I'll just go and do that <laughs> right. um, it, 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 to me it sort of demeans what their, their, their value proposition is you know I always and that's just a personal thing but I find it odd when people say well it's like this or it's like that um, well why wouldn't I just do that then? That's good feedback. The other thing, I'm just uh, last thing. Yes, yeah, I'm guessing you hear a lot of ideas, but people don't put money in ideas. They put money behind people, people. that can execute those Absolutely. ideas. Yeah. So you must hear all these ideas all the time. But it's like, are you the guy that's going to make it happen? I'm yeah. guess is, is yeah. how you ultimately invest. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, the, the the people that we've met. I mean, we've met some an amazing people, absolutely amazing people over the last couple of years. Um, and you know, they're, they're, sometimes their ideas don't work. But because of their, their mindset, because of that culture that they've got, uh, they'll go and do another one. They'll try another one. They'll try another one. Um, and and the, the, the reverse of that, you'll, you'll get some great ideas, but to be honest, the people just aren't capable of um, delivering it uh, or don't stand up to the idea uh, appropriately. So, yeah, fundamentally, and, and I, you know, we, we work with and speak to a lot of VCs and angels and stuff like that, um, and it's always... You know, nothing new. It's always it's the people that they're investing in. It, it's not the idea. He just quoted our tagline. It's about the people, yeah. Is it? And, oh, that's, there you go. and that's why we're doing this because you yeah, know. Yeah. And when Colin came to me a year ago, this is episode fifty, and suggested we do this show. The tagline came out: "It's about the people." Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I was just thinking of Jenny Griffiths. You spend forty-five oh. minutes talking to Jenny, and you're like, okay, well, you're basically investing in Jenny, yep. and like the idea is great and important, but it's secondary. Absolutely. And so uh, it's really well said. Look, it's, 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 it's all about. It's people. almost been set up. And it wasn't. That was the thing. <laughs> so on that, I, I yes. just want to touch on one more thing because sure. I think Elon Musk did something pretty cool yesterday, where he released all of his patents for Tesla to the open oh, okay, market. Right. And it's about the people. It's about you know him innovating, continuing to innovate further. Yep. That you know he wants people to use his patents rather than hold them together. I yep. was curious, maybe because I'm sure Cisco has a boatload of patents yep. stacked away. Yep. What, what are your thoughts on that? And, and so is, is it a game changer or not really? It's an interesting approach. Definitely an interesting approach. I mean, what we uh, do, and, and in fact, we haven't gone quite that far, but uh, one of the things that we recently relaunched um, and were much more, uh, I guess, supportive, open around it, is something called a, a DevNet program that we, we have. Um, and, and that is all about allowing uh, access to our uh, platforms, to our hardware, software, through APIs, uh, and supporting people in doing that. And I think historically we've been a little bit standoffish on that, or we've, we've sort of made a document available that people can look at, but it's a, it's a static document and there's no one to go to if you've got questions or queries. Um, so we've really begun to push uh, and support organisations that are doing that. Um, so that we can, again, start to more effectively work with them, bring the value of, of Cisco uh, to organizations uh, through that integration with their software, their development. So I don't think we'll, to be fair, ever go as far as um, Tesla have gone, um, but I think we're, we're certainly seeing a, a, a mindset shift in the way in which we uh, do present ourselves and, and open ourselves up to organizations out there. 
it's kind of like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates giving away 90% of their wealth. And they're yeah. like, look, I did it. Yeah. Why don't you do it? Billionaire, right, right. billionaire, billionaire X. So it's a, it's a great and interesting, interesting. trend yeah, yeah. to see where this goes. Yeah. Um, we're out of time. Uh, Ian, thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. I uh, love what you guys are doing in the UK with all these different efforts. And uh, it's, it's nice to have a big company like you that, that is kind of putting that investment back. So thanks you're for welcome. coming on. Uh, you're on Twitter. You're pretty active on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, on uh, that. At, at Ian. At iFodderI. Okay, and I thought and you, you guys are hiring. If someone out there wants to work for Cisco, what do they do? Uh, we'll just, just look on yeah, look on the website. Uh, the jobs are on there. Uh, we're looking across a number of different areas: sort of traditional networking space. In fact, right the way through to um, software development skills, we're looking for quite heavily now uh, to bring that skill set in. So yeah, it's a broad broad set of technical skills we're looking for now. Good. And I think uh, you have a Cisco, at Cisco UKI, I think is your, uh, yep. Uh, yep. your Twitter here. And, and then obviously UK. Ideal London as well is on there as well and right. Create. So we've got a number of different innovation spaces uh, that people can follow and get news on, on what we're doing. Cause it's an exciting time. Excellent. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we're on YouTube. Come see our, our beautiful faces. Uh, uh, shout out to my favorite Cisco employee, my brother Eric in Switzerland. Uh, <laughs> good, good call on that company. Uh, as Ian says, it's about the people. There we go. Uh, it's almost our year anniversary. Uh, what did you get me into, Colin? I don't know. It's been lots of fun. I'm sorry. Uh, it's all good. We've got tons of great guests coming up, lots of other exciting things happening. So uh, thanks so much, guys, for being here. I really appreciate it. And uh, all the best. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Cool. It's always been critical for us to build something that like anyone can use, that's so damn easy that people right. will even want to use it. How can we make this easier? How can we get someone to getting insights and taking action faster? People don't really want analytics. They want to just know how to make their site better. We were the first guys doing real-time analytics. I met my co-founders when we were, I think we were probably studying for our GCSEs at the time, which we were like 14, 15 years old. You can be any age if you're, if you're clued in and you're in the scene. It's been a great way of learning, I must say, um, just jumping in and going for it.